0: Welcome to another powerful message recorded live at Christ Encounter Ministries in Longoban. We trust that you'll be truly encouraged and blessed by this message. Hey, family, welcome back to Christ Encounter Ministries. It is me, Pastor Carl, and uh, I'm so glad that you have tuned in today or perhaps you are listening to this as an audio, or maybe this is a recording, but you are so very welcome. We are continuing our series on angels and demons, and today we are going to look at what seems to be quite a controversial topic, and that is, can Christians have demons? Now, when we look at this subject, we have to put our biased opinions listen to me, that we have established into belief systems. Now, a lot of these opinions was not created on facts, let's be honest with each other, or even scriptures, but on hearsay, what we've heard, and maybe traditions. We really need to humble ourselves and be teachable. And very importantly, we need to be prepared to be wrong about some things. And if not, hear me, child of God, we will most definitely become deceived. Because this is really a subject that we don't want to be deceived in. Because family, demons are extremely dangerous. They are professionals at destroying people's lives. And I don't know about you, but if there's a faint chance that they could affect me, number one, I need to know about it. And number two, I need to know how to get them out. Out of me. Don't you? Let's look at our first scripture of today, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 2 in the New King James Version. It says this, if anyone, that means you, thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Wow. So if you think you know anything about the spiritual realm, trust me, you know nothing. Because the more you learn, the more you realize, how little you know. So let's educate ourselves as best that we can so that we will not be victims, but at least be in a position to put up a good fight. Wouldn't you agree? So firstly, we need to understand this very important fact that we as, as, as human beings are triune beings. What does that mean? That means we consist of three very distinct parts. Our next scripture of the day, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22, says this, Reject every kind of evil, and the very God of peace will sanctify you wholly, completely. So what is holy? Well, it's your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The next scripture, Hebrews 4, verse 12, in the NLT, It says, the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between what? Soul and spirit and between joint and marrow. You see the three parts there. We are primarily spirit beings. That is the part that comes directly from God, who is the source of all life. And it is our eternal life source. It is the part of us that will never die because it is part of an eternal God. Then we have this soul part. And this determines our character and our personality. Now listen carefully. Our soul is made up of our mind, our emotions, and ultimately our will. This is the area where decisions are made. Then finally, we have a body which is essentially our earth suit, like a diving suit. It allows us as spirit beings to live in this natural realm, just as a diving suit allows you to go underwater and to express ourselves. Now, our body realm consists of our senses, namely sight, touch, hearing, smell, and taste. When we get born again, the scripture says that we are born again in our spirit part, not our soul, not our body. When a very religious man in John 3 named Nicodemus, who scripture says was a Pharisee and a member of the ruling Jewish council. Me, this means that he was an extremely religious man. You can say like an archbishop, or archbishop, I don't know how they pronounce it, Not quite the Pope, but close to him. You know, just for an example purpose. Extremely religious. And Jesus goes on to explain to Nicodemus that he must be born again to see or enter heaven. And this statement really confuses Nicodemus. And he replies back in the next scripture in John 3 verse 4. He says, How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. But you see, Jesus was talking about spiritual matters and him being born again in his spirit. And sometimes when you and I face spiritual matters, we we can also be ignorant like Nicodemus. We try to understand the supernatural from a natural perspective and that can never, ever work. But we read further in verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one, not one, nobody can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, which is the water part, but the spirit, notice the capital S, gives birth to the spirit. So this refers to the born-again experience of the Holy Spirit, the capital S, in our spirit, the small s. The next scripture says, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 7, track with me. But he who unites with the Lord, what does that mean? Born again. Is one with him where? In spirit. This confirms that the Holy Spirit unites with our spirit part. We read further in another scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says that, uh, 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, born again, he is a new creation. Wow. The old has passed away. Wow. Now that's such an awesome scripture and a promise from God that when we get born again, we are new creations. The old has passed away. And the born-again ex- experience is awesome. But hang on for a second. Did everything change straight away? Yes, there were some definite changes. Hopefully, we stopped swearing. Stopped watching things that we used to watch. I mean, I couldn't, stop, I couldn't watch horror movies anymore. I used to love them. And there is a definite and a wonderful change in our lives. But there are still a lot of things that don't become new. And these are seemingly deep-rooted things. For example, there are many wonderful born-again Christians who have serious challenges with things like lust, pornography, alcoholism, or prescription drug abuse, maybe gambling problems, anger issues, strong feelings of not being good enough, perhaps overwhelming depression, and the list goes on and on and on. Now hear me, these are not natural problems of the flesh that we can control, but they seem to be unnatural and overwhelming compulsions and desires that we have to do these things. Even though we hate it and even though we want it to stop, but it just seems like we can't. It just seems like we we don't have complete control over ourselves when we are faced with these challenges. Now, I remember when I came to Christ as a 15-year drug addict, I was so desperate for change. And I had an incredible encounter with Jesus Christ. It was really a life-changing event. I was radically born again. I I, I remember being absolutely in love with Jesus. I would go to church and I would experience His presence through worship. and So many things changed in my life tremendously. But I just could not stop taking drugs. No matter how much I prayed, no matter how much I asked God to take the cravings away, no matter how much I tried on my own, I really could not control myself. And when the cravings came, I knew that I was going to mess up in the work environment. I knew that I was going to mess up my relationships. I knew that it was messing up my life. I mean, you've got to understand this. I was an adult male, same person, same human being, same level of intelligence, logic, but I could not control it. It was controlling and compelling me. And so I failed time and time again, and I felt absolutely distraught when I did. I hated it, and I wanted it gone. So now, what was the problem, you tell me? I mean, I was a born-again Christian, right? There was no doubt about that. I'd managed to deal with most of my flesh issues and problems. And I made great progress, but this was something completely different. And so, as time went on, this problem started to take more and more hold over me. And honestly, I let it. I was living with one foot in heaven going to church, calling myself a Christian, and another foot in hell. I began to enjoy the demonic lusts of my flesh. Then after one particular and significant event of drug abuse, when after I had become sober and I, had, I was more clear-headed, I felt that following day a strong, strong, strong warning in my spirit. Not in my head, in my heart there was a very, very strong warning that I had now come to the end of my road. I was at the edge of the cliff. The end of my road of God's grace for this situation. And I knew that if I didn't do something drastic immediately, I, out of my own doing, would slip out of his hands of grace into the clutches of the devil's kingdom and I would be lost forever. And honestly, this frightened me tremendously. And the scripture talks about this in Romans 1 verse 28. It says, just as they didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to their depraved mind. So they do what ought not to be done. This means, child of God, if we do not pursue and follow and be obedient to the word of God, the knowledge of God, and rather choose to continue in our sin opposing this knowledge then we essentially reject God and we choose this life of sin and God withdraws his hand from our lives because he will never impose his will over ours and essentially we basically made up our mind God will honor that he will respect your choices even though he doesn't agree with them and it breaks his heart but he will respect them nonetheless and so the Holy Spirit was really convicting me. It was like a last ditch effort to save me from myself. Trying to get me to make the right choice. And I thank God I thought it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. And I tell you now, family, if I hadn't, I would have died from drug abuse or some other horrendous death. And right now, i will be burning in hell. Right now. But you see... I had this problem, or rather, the right terminology is this problem had me. And so in desperation, I cried out to God. I said, God, I hear you calling me. I'll give you my life, God, but you know my problem. And I cannot do this on my own. I said, God, if you can fix this, you can have me. And so I was determined to give this one last shot. And I remember just prior to, to, to that, 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 that episode of drug abuse, on the Friday, I ran into an old friend of mine. And he was a previous drug user. We used to go out and party a lot. And I know that that meeting with him was a divine appointment set up by God and not just a random event. And he started to witness to me and tell me about this awesome church that he was going to and how his life had changed. And this was amazing to me. So I thought, well, if they've accepted him and he feels at home there, well, maybe I should go give it a try. And so I spoke to another friend of mine and I got directions to this particular church, which was Christian Family Church Johannesburg, proudly our spiritual home. But the person, get this, who gave me the directions actually gave me the wrong directions to another church called Ramassan. But although his directions were wrong, it was another divine appointment set up by, by God. Because that is exactly where I had to be for that particular service. And so that Sunday, I arrived at the church, came in, and this pastor preached a phenomenal message. He was speaking about what Jesus said in Mark 11 verse 23, says this. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say, it will happen. It will be done for them. And this pastor went on to say that this mountain Jesus was speaking about is like the mountains in life that we face. It's like the mountain of addiction, the mountain of pornography, the mountain of depression and alcoholism and all of these things. And how Jesus was saying that we should not pray to God and ask Him to move the mountain, but that we must speak directly to these mountains and command them to go in Jesus' name and then He would move them for us. And I tell you, it felt like this pastor was preaching just to me. Because I'd been praying all the time, this was my prayer, Jesus in your name, please remove this mountain of drug addiction, when I should have been praying, mountain of drug addiction, be removed in Jesus' name. This pastor continued to say that when we face these mountains, we need to be steadfast and resilient. Why? Because even when Jesus Christ was facing the mountains of temptation by the devil during his 40-day fast, he resisted it. What happened? It came back. Then he resisted, it came back, three times before it was removed. And so this pastor said, "We must do the same. We must keep on resisting. Keep on speaking. No matter what, if it comes back, come on it'll go until we get the victory. Now Fast forward a week, on a Friday, I was driving in my car, Friday afternoon, suddenly this desire started to rise up in me again, like it had done for so many years. And it began to overwhelm me, compelling me to take drugs again. And it's the strangest sensation, where all the usual voices of common sense, knowing that it would bring destruction, kind of just grows quiet. Just gets drowned out by this compulsion. It starts to come over you. It's like you start to get like almost a tunnel vision on whatever it is you're compelled to do. Now, as the beginning was starting to take hold of me, the Holy Spirit reminded me about the sermon that I'd heard the previous week. And how I needed to talk to this mountain and command it to go in Jesus' name. But honestly, it didn't really make all that much sense to me. Because you see, I wasn't looking at the spiritual from a natural perspective. Like Nicodemus was. But praise Jesus, I thought, let me just give this a try. And so while I was driving, I said aloud, I said, You devil of drug addiction and cocaine... And listed whatever else the compulsions were. And I said this very important statement I said, I belong to Jesus Christ. I am his property. I command you to go. I command you to leave me in Jesus' name. Straight after I had said that, guess what happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's like those moments in the movies during an uncomfortable silence of embarrassment and you hear the crickets in the background cricking. Just silence, no emotions, other than this uncontrollable desire for these drugs. But there was no real change in the situation. So I thought what most of you would. I thought to myself, now yeah, call. this is a waste of time. This spiritual stuff is mumbo jumbo, right? But praise Jesus for the Holy Spirit. He reminded me of that pastor's message on the weekend of how we should always try. At least three times, like the example of Jesus. So I began to pluck up the courage and overcome my hurt emotions of feeling really stupid. And then I shouted out again while driving. You devil of drug addiction and cocaine. I belong to Jesus Christ. I am his property. I command you to go. I command you to leave me right now in Jesus' name. Family, I I tell you as I say Jesus' name, that whole atmosphere in that car changed. Every hair on my body and every hair on every hair of my body stood on end. The air was thick. It was like thick with a strong evil presence. You could literally... Feel it. Exodus 10 verse 21, our next scripture, says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, lift up your hand towards heaven and the land of Egypt will be covered by a darkness so thick that you can feel it. And I tell you, this was an atmosphere you could feel with every part of your body Whatever was hidden in me for so long was now exposed through me declaring that I belong to Jesus and commanding it to go in Jesus' name. Now, in the book of Job, it is explained so well where it says in Job 4 verse 15, a spirit glided past my face and the hair on my body stood on end. And I tell you, family, that's exactly what happened. And I'm sure many of you watching or listening now have had a similar experience, where an unseen evil force has caused your hair to stand on end. Now at this point I was properly freaked out when this happened because it was just so unexpected and it was just so absolutely real. And at this point I had no real knowledge or understanding on the supernatural and demons, but I knew That this, what I was experiencing, was real. So I shouted out again from a point of desperation. This time with absolute zeal and fear, really. I said, you devil of drug addiction and cocaine and whatever else. I belong to Jesus Christ. I am His property. I command you to go. I command you to leave me right now. In Jesus' name. Wow. And as I said in Jesus' name, that entirely charged and thick atmosphere where every hair on my body was standing on end just disappeared in an instant. Just like darkness would disappear as you switch on a light switch in a dark room. It was the same. And I tell you, this freaked me out even more than when everything became so charged for the first time. It was just such a crazy experience but so enlightening. Then family as this evil spirit this or evil spirits or demons left me get this I had absolutely no desire whatsoever to do the drugs anymore. Absolutely nothing. Not even a thought, not even a desire. But listen, this was so impossible So impossible and profound to me. Because you have to understand. I lived 15 years with this feeling of this compulsion. literally controlled me. No matter what I tried. I tried everything. I could not stop it. And then experiencing that compulsion. That maximum force that day. Something I knew so well. And having it disappear from me. In a millisecond. Bringing me complete peace was absolutely inconceivable. And I know this sounds silly, but it was just so weird that after having it for so long that I even tried to think about it. I tried to think about the feelings and the desires and the drugs and what I would do, kind of testing it. And I tell you, family, there was nothing. Totally gone. Totally set free. And I realized in that moment that it was demons, demons, that was affecting me. You've got to hear this, family. What no doctors or alternate medications or counseling or rehabs or even my absolute will could accomplish in 15 years was accomplished by driving out these demons that was influencing me. You see, you, you can crucify the flesh and we have to meaning you can assert control over your fleshy desires, but you cannot crucify a demon. You have to cast it out. And if you're having situations in your life where no matter how much you try to crucify it or deal with it and you can't, then there's a very good chance that you need to deal with it as a demon. It is the only way. Family, as long as you believe that Christians can't have demons... Those demons have a massive advantage over you. And they are ruling lives unopposed. Now to summarize this, listen carefully. Yes, 100% Christians absolutely have demonic influences. Both internally and externally. Now remember this, we are a spirit with a soul living in a body. And demons cannot possess a Christian in the spirit because that area is joined to Christ. But now listen carefully. But in our soul part, which is our emotions, our minds, our decisions, how many people can honestly agree that they have had to deal with demonic attacks in those areas? In their minds, evil thoughts, uncontrollable emotions, unnatural fears, right? This is where they attack us. And it will ultimately affect our decisions. Then the other area is our bodies. They attack our bodies. They can cause sickness. They can cause disease. And we mustn't be ignorant of these facts or we can never be set free from them. But remember this, you as a child of God have the absolute right to be set free from all demonic oppression. You have the right to be delivered. You too can start talking to the mountains in your life from a position as a child of God and commanding them to go in Jesus name. Don't wait for the pastor to pray for you. Don't entertain the thoughts and desires. Think about what you're thinking about. Start identifying them in your life. Consider the areas where the demons are harassing and tormenting you. And start casting them out in Jesus' name. You can boldly declare that you are a child of God. You can boldly declare that Jesus Christ owns you and that he has the full title deed for your life, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Declare that. Then command those demons to go. Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully. People have a misconception about demons and so did I until I started casting these things out. Call them by whatever name you identify them as family, listen to me. We've cast out demons who have verbally committed, uh, uh, told us their names. Listen to these names. We've cast out a spirit of not enough, feeling that you're not enough. We've cast out spirits of shame, of disgrace. We've cast out spirits of heartbreak. Really, literally heartbreak. That's their names. I've, I've faced a spirit that that told me its name was loneliness. I faced spirits call themselves fear, spirits of rejection, spirits of suicide. Spirit told me once its name is anxiety, lusts, hatred, unforgiveness, insanity, bipolar. Whatever desires or compulsions or emotions that are unnatural. That, that you feel that you cannot control. It's not normal. It's not normal. You need to oppose that. You need to command it to go. Don't sit and meditate on that. Listen, as many times as it takes, you have to make it a lifestyle. I do. I never entertain an attack or temptation by the devil. I always oppose it in Jesus' name. And now listen to this very, very, very importantly. If you identify areas in your life, whatever it is, whatever it is, if it's lust or unforgiveness or whatever it is, you need, and, and, and you command that to go, you need to find scriptures relating to that. There's a, a, a very well-known pastor who I, uh, uh, he mentors me, uh, Mr. G. Oogle. Wealth of information. Maybe some of you know him. G. Oogle, Google. Amen. It's so easy. You just go on Google, you can use the voice. Scriptures on loneliness, and then you will get scriptures. Scriptures on pride, and then you get the scriptures. Scriptures on whatever it is, and you need to meditate on those scriptures. It's so importantly. Once you have set yourself free, if you want to stay free, you need to fill those areas with faith, with word. Remember, that's how Jesus resisted temptation with the word of God. You see, Jesus speaks in Matthew and he explains when an evil spirit leaves a person, they come back. They find that person's life in order, set in order. They've been set free, everything's fine. But it says this, it's empty. And if they find that area empty, the scripture says it brings seven devils more wicked than itself and it goes back in there. If you cast out a specific devil in your life, you need to fill that area with the word of God. Every day you need to meditate on it. Every day you need to fill that area. So when that devil comes back, that area is full of the word. Whatever area you're struggling in, listen, stop being victims. Seriously. Stop being victims. If you have areas where you are having trouble in your life, Just write it down. Identify with it. Please stop being victims. Stand up and start to deal with these things. Stand up and start to oppose these things. Write out what is it the areas where you're having challenges with. Command those things to go. Start to meditate on the scripture in those areas. And I promise you, you will be set free. But you can't do any of those apart from each other. You need to do that. You have no excuses. Take it from someone that was so full of demons from all the stuff that I've done in my life. This is how you get free and stay free. No one cast any demons out of me. You can do it. And if you feel that you can't, you can always come to us and we will help you. But family, as we close for today, as we spoke about when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John 3 and he said to Nicodemus, it's like Jesus going to the Pope, literally. Hey Mr. Pope, unless you're born again, you ain't gonna go to heaven. And that's just the facts. And so you might say, well, you know, got to, it doesn't matter if you go to church or if you think you're a good person. You have to be born by the Spirit. Stop trying to wrap your natural brain around the supernatural. Listen, if Jesus said you need to be born again, then I don't care what anybody else has told you. They're speaking nonsense. If Jesus said you need to be born again, guess what? You need to be born again. Do you want to know if you're born again? Very simple. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bear witness that we are a child of God. What does that mean? Well, I'll ask you this question. If you had, or if you knew that you were going to die today, let's say for instance, there was a meteorite that was going to hit the earth this evening. 12 o'clock. We knew, man, tickets up, time's up. How confident are you that you would go to heaven? You see, you need to be ready all the time. Eternity is your constant partner. Eternity is with you every moment of your life. At any moment, you could slip over. You could have a brain aneurysm. Something could happen in a moment. No time to make things right. You would slip over and that's that. And if you are not 100% confident that you will go straight into heaven, then I'm telling you now, you're not going. It's as simple as that. And so, I want to give you this opportunity. Jesus made it. It's it's very easy to do. The first step, Romans 10, said, if you declare with your mouth, you can't think it, you've got to speak it, Jesus is your Lord. You make Him your Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be born again. You will start the first step in your journey of eternal life. So, if that's you, wherever you are, I want to pray with you. So pray this after me with a heart full of faith. Say this, say, Father, today I decide that I need Jesus. And I declare with my mouth, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. I make you the Lord of my life. I choose you, Jesus. I believe that you died, I believe that you rose again and I believe right now that I'm a child of God. Please forgive me for my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me brand new and help me to live a life serving you. Amen. Praise Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer and you meant it, and you are on the first step on the journey of your life. Now you need to serve Jesus. Get hooked up with a good church and uh, one day in heaven, come to me and tell me that it was this prayer in this moment that led you to Christ. I look forward to meeting you. We love you, family. Until we see you again, God bless and take care. We trust that you are truly blessed and encouraged by this message if you would like to find out more about Christ Encounter Ministries in Longobon please feel free to check out our website at christencounter.co.za